We're continuing our series on uh, the questions that Jesus asked. And uh, he asked many questions. Uh, When I received the list that Mark had drawn up of the questions that he had asked and uh, wanted to know which questions I wanted to put my name against, uh, there were... There were two that, that really caught my attention. One we've already dealt with where Jesus said, do you want to be well? And I think that was about two or three weeks ago we, we spoke on that. But the one that uh, I want to speak on today is the one that you find in Matthew 26 and verse 40, where Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane in the moment of, of his, his agony, emotional, spiritual, and to such a great extent that it affected him physically as well, uh, takes some of his disciples with him and asks them to watch with him. And then when he gets back, they've fallen asleep. And he then asks this question, Could you not keep watch with me for one hour. Uh, there's, there's a deeper translation on that apparently which, which would read could you not watch with me meaning could you not be with me for one hour and that's very important for what we want to talk about today. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to be able to cover this adequately in, in one session so we'll follow it up on uh, I think it's the 26th of August. Uh, I will bring the second part. Today we will look at a practical approach to how to watch with Jesus, how to be with Jesus. Um, and, and on, on the, uh, the 26th of August, we'll look at the more uh, spiritual values of that. But it's a very important question. Could you not watch with me for one hour? It's, it's, it's more than just being there. It's more than just praying. It's more than just uh, a moment of, of holding his hand. Uh, it's, it's got much greater depth to it. And I, I'm really praying that the Holy Spirit will help us to catch a glimpse of the deeper depth that lies in that question. Could you not watch with me? Could you not be with me? Could you not um, have more of a spiritual approach to, to my request that you, you watch with me? It's all incorporated in the, in the action that we all are aware of, the, the action of prayer, the very next verse talks about watch and pray. Uh, so, so Jesus himself makes a distinction between the praying part that we are all so familiar with, uh, that we, are all, we all practice, uh, we pray, we pray all the time, pray without ceasing, uh, all of that. We, we do that, we pray. But Jesus said, watch and pray. There is a, an added dimension to it, and I'm hoping that, 
This is what I'll be able to explain to you. That deeper dimension. Uh, we'll look at a verse just now. Uh, but right now, uh, I, want to, I want to just, if you want a, a title, let, let's just call it meeting with God or dwelling with God. W- being with Him. Watching with Him. Being with Him in the secret place. But we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, I, I told you two weeks ago that I'm on a journey. I found a, a new lease of life, as it were, fresh wind in my sails. Um, and things that have sat in my heart for decades, I am now finding the, the urge and the momentum to, to press into them and to, to study them to gain a greater understanding uh, of, of what it's all about. And uh, uh, I, I spoke about, do you not want to be well, two weeks ago. I, I'm learning about that. I'm, I'm pressing it. I, I've committed myself to what I see in the Word of God. Not what I'm feeling or experiencing, but what I see in the Word of God. And so I want to follow that same approach this morning. By no means am I claiming that, that I am in that place where, where I feel I am I'm watching with God. I am one with Him uh, in spirit, soul, and, and, and all that I can, you know, my strength that, I, that I'm hooking on to God in a particular way. I, I'm still striving to get to a point, if you understand what I'm trying to say. I'm on a journey. I know there's more. I've, I've known for, for as long as I've, I've been walking with God, I've known there's more and been brief experiences where, wow, my breath, so to speak, has been taken away. And I've, I know I've touched God in a way that I don't normally day by day touch Him. And I think that's it. I, I'm, I'm wanting to get to a place where I know He's invited me to be and I want to dwell there. I want to dwell there. Uh, that's not to mean that, that I'm, I'm not real anymore, that I'm unearthly uh, uh, or anything like that. No, very, very real, very practical, but there's something that is hooked on to God and that then works its way out through our lives. So that wherever we go, whatever we do, uh, there's a difference. And that has been the cry of my heart since uh, the, the, the age I could begin to think more coherently about the fact that I'm called of God. Uh, what, I, what I've desired, one thing I have desired of thee, Lord, is that I would make a difference. And God wants that for every single one of us. That we make a difference wherever we are. Just in a conversation, we make a difference. Just in being with someone, we make a difference. That when we go and, uh, into, our, into our place of prayer and we lift people up in prayer, because of the faith we've gained, because of the, the, the greater experience we're having in Him, we make a difference. God wants us to make 
a difference. So dwelling in the secret place would be what I would entitle this, this teaching this morning. And as I say, by no means are we going to finish it. But uh, we're, we're going to work through some uh, very clear uh, and understandable principles that we can, we can embrace. There's a central thought that, that will run through everything that I want to share with you, and it's this. It has always been God's desire to have close fellowship with his people. It has always been that. He wants us to live in a place with him, being with him there, watching with him there, which is far greater and more intense than the touch and go situation that we often find ourselves in the busyness of life. Many, many years ago, there was a movie that was called Stop the World, I Want to Get Off, or something like that. And, and I often feel like that in a spiritual way. I feel, oh, God, there are so many demands, especially, uh, you know, you need to pray for Mark and Jackie. I mean, they're right in the helm of, you know, at the helm right now. They're right in the middle of things. And so many demands come at you when you're in, in, in that position of leadership. Uh, your, your time, your thoughts, your energy, your resources, your, your attention, it's all making a demand on you. And there are times that you just want to say, stop the world, let me get off. Lord, just, I, I just need to be with you. I, need to, I, need to, uh, I think it needs to be built into every contract that a, that a leader has, that uh, he has at least two to three weeks where he is sent away by the church so that he can go and just separate himself before the Lord and, and find that that place, that being with God, that watching with God. Uh, I tell you, it's, it's a struggle. It's a very real struggle. Not only is it the, the circumstances of, of life that make a demand on us, but we, we have to contend with our, our flesh as well. Uh, that's a real struggle. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. But the, the, uh, the point is that God wants to have that close, intimate fellowship with his people. It was like that from the beginning. Adam and Eve, it was like that. Uh, we see in the garden that, that uh, two human beings uh, were there and they, they, they had the choice of how they would respond to God. God comes looking for them in the cool of the evening and they're hiding because they've fouled up. They've done what they shouldn't have done. They've gone directly against what God had told them not to do. And so that, that intimacy, that closeness was, was marred. And, and, and the, the, the problem it created, not just for them, but for their offspring right down to this very day, that uh, there was, there was a, this, this separation that should not have been there, that God did not intend it to be there. He wanted a fellowship that was unmarred. Thank God through Jesus' death and resurrection, so much has that been made possible for us. Uh, the veil has been torn, and we're able to go into the very 
uh, holy of holies. We were able to touch God in a very special way. It's the kind of fellowship that God has always wanted from the very beginning. Uh, if you trace it through as you, as you f- uh, follow the story of the Old Testament, we get to a man called Abraham, uh, a fellow who, who is later referred to as the friend of God in James chapter 2. Uh, we, we see God come looking for him. He doesn't go looking for God. God searches him out. And God puts his finger on Abraham's life. It's just the very heart of God again. God looks for those who would worship him. That's what Jesus said to, to the, uh, uh, the woman at the well of Samaria. In, in John 4, he said, to, he said God, you know, God searches for those who would worship him in spirit and in truth. It's that fellowship thing, that intimacy, that closeness. We continue our looking at the the, the old covenant, we see that God lays his hand upon a nation, the nation of Israel. And he wanted this nation to reflect what it is like to worship the only true God. We know the story. Uh, they, they, they failed in that, and mankind has kept failing. But I say again, through Jesus, there has been restored to us an avenue whereby we may come into a living, intimate relationship with him. In Exodus 25 verse 8, here again the heart of God. He says, he says, then have Israel make a sanctuary for me. Why? So that I may dwell among them. God wants to be with us in a special way. It's always been his desire. God speaking says in Exodus 29 and verse 42, there, speaking about this this sanctuary, this tabernacle, there I will meet with you and there I will speak to you. God can meet with us and speak with us at any time, anywhere. Uh, It doesn't have to be in a sanctuary. We have become the sanctuary. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. But I come back to that fact of the busyness of life, the cares of this world, the things that demand our attention, that grab at our energies. I come back to the fact that God wants us to come into a place where we watch with Him, where we're with Him. It takes discipline, and I'll say more about that. But it's... it's, it's God's heart for us. It's what he wants for us. Of course, that is his desire for the church, for you, for me. He wants us to be in that place of intimate fellowship with him. There's a core scripture that we will lean on throughout the, these two sessions. Psalm 91 verses 1 to 2. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And there I will be able to say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. You want that, don't you? 
You want to be able to say that not just theoretically, you want to be able to say it experientially. You want to be able to say it, I know this, I'm experiencing it. Not just when that happened or over there or here, I'm walking in it. I'm living it. Notice that, that word, he who dwells. Or as John 15, talking about the vine and the branches, that word abide. He who abides. That's God's heart. He wants, he wants an ongoing, uninterrupted experience of fellowship with his people. Now I know that there are different levels of experiencing the presence of God. And we look at the, the, one of the, one of the uh, Old Testament examples that has helped me tremendously and that I think is a forerunner of what we experience today. But God told them, as we read in Exodus 25, where God said to them, build me a sanctuary where I may meet with you. And so the tabernacle of Moses is a very useful comparison for us, if we could get that slide up, uh, to, to uh, understand our approach to God. It is, it is a place where there were, there were three different areas to this tabernacle. There was the outer court, then you would move into the holy place, and then ultimately where the Ark of the Covenant was situated would be the holy of holies. And I'd like us to move through those three approaches today, those three different areas of our approach to the ultimate presence of God, and have a look at that. And, and hopefully it will, it will help us to order something in our lives. Moving from the outer court to the holy place or the inner court, if you like, into the most holy place where the presence of God dwelt, the secret place. He who dwells there in that secret place. Don't forget that was not possible for the Old Testament saints, but it is possible for us because Jesus has removed that partition. He's removed the veil and uh, we're now able to go right into the very presence of God. So my approach to the presence of God presents me with, first of all, the brazen altar. That is where the, the, the animals that were brought for sacrifice uh, they, they were sacrificed on that altar. It is, it is a place of surrender. It is a place of sacrifice. It is a place where in my New Testament approach, I choose to lay down what would rather have my attention or my grip my thoughts and, and, and have me busy in it. Uh, it's that place where I've got to... Lay it down because I intend to get to the more intense experience of the presence of God. It was a very busy place. Animals were being brought. The bleating of goats and sheep and uh, the, the whatever do 
whatever, what do oxen do? Bellow, whatever, I don't know. Whatever they do, it, it was a busy place, much activity. The priests were to and fro, they were slaughtering the animals and then bringing them and sacrificing them on that altar, the altar, the brazen altar. A place of surrender. In my New Testament context, context, it's a place where I begin to lay down whatever I am busy with, whatever is occupying my attention. Uh, I, I, I put that aside because I realize there are greater things for me to achieve in this moment. It's a place where I come to God and I say, God, forgive me. Cleanse me from the affairs of the day. Cleanse me from the cares of the world. I come via the blood of Jesus. I'm walking in fellowship. And as I'm walking in fellowship, that blood is cleansing me. And I thank you for that. It's, it's a place of approaching with a clear conscience the presence of God. I then encounter the bronze laver. That, that uh, bowl made with polished bronze, brass, and uh, the water in it, the priest would wash their hands in it. And, and uh, it was the closest to our modern day mirrors. You, you would look into that, that laver and you'd see your own reflection there. It was a type of the washing of the water, the cleansing of the word. Please go and read James 1 verses 22 to 25. Uh, and, and it'll be a great description there of what that is all about. The outer court. That place of much process, much happening on our way to the presence. I've already alluded to this. You're going to discover this. You've already discovered it. I know you have. The hurdle the big hurdle is the flesh. This, this, is, this is where we struggle to get past it all so that we can focus, so that we can dedicate completely without distraction. Now say again, if you want that kind of presence, it's going to take discipline. It requires that we we move past the flesh and we begin to move deeper into the, the spirit. We have to take care of physical distractions. When you, when you come, uh, make sure that you've, you, you're as comfortable as you possibly can be. Make sure that you, you, you've got your bottle of water with you, for example. Make sure that, that uh, you know, you've been to the loo and things like that. Just very practical matters that you take care of as you ready yourself to focus and stay focused. He has a promise. The enemy's going to do everything he can to distract you. He's going to do, he's going to throw it all at you. Uh, he, he, he is not happy that you should even consider moving in this direction. You're going to have to battle with your mind. Because your mind will suddenly start thinking about this and about that. Oh, I haven't done that. Uh, make sure, uh, you, you know what I mean. 
You, 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 you bring your mind under control of your spirit. Your spirit is the highest part of your being. Your spirit where the Holy Spirit dwells is the, is the part that is more wrapped up with God than any other part of you. You've still got to renew your mind. You've still got to control your emotions. You've got to put your flesh on the altar. All of that uh, happens, but your, your spirit is linked with God. But because we've exercised the muscle of the soul, the mind, the will, the emotions, and, and, and the flesh, we've given it so much freedom, we struggle to embrace the fact that my, our spirits are the highest part of our beings. And so it is right here where we have to say, Lord, help me. And worship is a, is a great, great aid. To have worship background music or you yourself singing, if you've got that kind of voice, just worshiping, worshiping God. And focus on the, and Mike, Mark, said something very important when we started this morning. He said, think of the words that you're singing. It helps to focus you. Don't forget we're here in, 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 in this, this process of approaching the, the accentuated presence of God. I'm not even going to try and talk about condemnation or forgiveness and things of that nature. Because those things block our momentum. They really block our momentum. We can't seem to get into a flow of drawing closer to God. Get back on track. The, 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 the flesh uh, is something that we have control over by the Spirit of God who lives in us. The minute we give the flesh greater credence than we give the Holy Spirit, we're in trouble. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. And the Scripture so clearly says, He lives in you. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So learn to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Learn to appreciate and acknowledge Him. Learn to, to incorporate Him and embrace Him in your, in your momentum and your move towards the accentuated presence of God. So we find there's a lot of activity in the outer court. We then get to the inner court, or as it is also named, the holy place. Whereas in the, in the outer court, there is the general presence of God. God is everywhere. Uh, and, and it's true, right in the midst of all that activity, of what we're involved in every day. Uh, God is there. His presence is around us. But as we begin to move uh, into that, that, that place of, of sitting at his feet, uh, we, we, we find that his presence begins to grow. And it's a heightened 
presence of God. The furnishing in this uh, uh, inner court or this, this, the, the holy place is of great significance. We have the golden lampstand which speaks to us of the light of the world. John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. A place of illumination. A place where we begin to better understand uh, why we are alive. Why we find ourselves moving in a, 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 attracted to a certain direction that we move in. Uh, why, uh, what, what the ministry is that God has laid in our hands. It's, it's a place of illumination, the light of Christ, the light of the world. Jesus himself said, I only do and I only speak what I see my father uh, doing and speaking. And he wants exactly the same for us. He wants us to be that accurate. Did you ever note that John sixteen fourteen says this? Listen to this, guys. This is amazing. It says, the Holy Spirit takes what belongs to Jesus and makes it known to us. Holy Spirit, embed that, please. He takes what belongs to Jesus and makes it known to us. I only speak what I hear my Father say. I only do what I see Him doing. And He doesn't leave us to find our own way and to stumble along to the best of our ability, no. He said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and that Holy Spirit dwells within our hearts, in our spirits. And he takes what belongs to Jesus and makes it known to us. One of the greatest revelations of what, what God is doing and what his son is doing is found in the word. That's a massive revelation. But there is also a word that comes to us in a given moment for a given situation. And I know I haven't been, you know, too, too good 100% at hearing all the time, but I, I know I can hear better than I'm hearing now. I know that. And it's as we come via the light of the world, that golden lampstand, what it stood for back in the Old Testament. And as I, as I begin to, to give the Holy Spirit more reign in my life, I can hear what he's saying about given situations. The lamp needed oil to produce a flame. You've got the oil. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've got the oil in your spirit. And it's enlightening you. It's bringing understanding. He's called our divine teacher. 
Paul admonishes us in Galatians 6, he says, by the Spirit be walking. Clearly, it is something which is meant to be habitual. By the Spirit be walking. Within notice, the other piece of furnishing there, the table of showbread. That speaks of the bread of life, who of course is Jesus. Jesus himself says in John 6.33, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven. There was a type of that, a shadow of that in the Old Testament. When Israel were fed every single day with manna from heaven. God wants to keep feeding us continuously from the bread of heaven. But if our activities overwhelm us and um, we give ourselves to stuff that takes us nowhere but just a moment of interest, never eat from the bread of heaven. And we wonder why we remain spiritually hungry. By the Spirit be walking. This bread of God is Jesus Christ. For he said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. It's no wonder he included in his, the prayer he taught his disciples, teaching them to pray, give us our daily bread. It's speaking of provision. It's speaking of, of uh, heaven's assistance. It's speaking of deliverance. It's speaking of healing. Give us our daily bread. And then that third item of furniture, the altar of incense. You'll notice, uh, maybe you could just flick to the second slide, Malcolm. You'll notice where the curtain is. It's between the Ark of the Covenant and the altar of incense. But when you read Hebrews chapter 9, it's moved. There's the, the, the altar of incense has moved, that is. The curtain no longer exists. Uh, I, I've, only, I've only added it there so that you can see what has happened for us in the New Testament. Hebrews 9 talks about the altar being right there before the very accentuated presence of God. The fragrance. Visualize this. The, the priest would come with, with the incense. He would have taken some coals off the, off the altar and, and put it on the altar of incense and then he'd take that fragrance and he'd pour it over the coals. And as he pours it over the coals, the smoke and the incense would fill the holy place. It would rise before the very presence of God. Can you think of a better picture of worship? When we come before God and we worship Him in spirit and in truth, that fragrance rises before His very presence. And as I say, Jesus has removed the veil and now our worship comes before the very throne of the living God. 
What we do at the beginning of a service is not just an exercise, people. It is a ministry. It is a function before a holy God. And how often do our minds not one day here, there, everywhere. We're aware of this one's clothing. We're aware of a, a myriad of things. But we ought to be focusing on the fact that we're before the throne. Worshipping God. Fragrance rises from within your heart if you're worshipping in spirit and truth and you're worshipping the living God. And that, to my mind, perhaps more than anything else, will bring you right into the very presence of God. We are New Testament priests. And it is our function, it is our duty to come and offer this incense before God. Not just at the beginning of a Sunday morning service, but in our, the privacy of our homes. Wherever we can find the, the time to do it, to, to worship before God. So this inner court, the place of of worship and request and intercession and warfare. I participate. I'm involved in all of this. My will, my mind, my mouth and my tongue. And even for us who have greater freedom in the presence of God, our bodies as we worship, as we dance, as we bow down, as we prostrate ourselves. I participate. I'm involved. And then we move into the holy of holies. The place where the presence of God is intensified. It was general out there in the outer court. It was heightened in the inner court. But when we move into that inner sanctuary, that place where everything else fades away, it becomes an intense, amplified presence of God. We, we, we always, we would pray, for example, we say, Lord, be with us. Well, he is with us. What we should be asking is, Lord, please amplify your presence among us. Increase the intensity of your presence. There is such a level of intensity of the presence of God that everything else recedes into the background. We're on holy ground. We're in a, a place of, of holy awe. Here in, in, in this, this place of his accentuated presence, there's, there's no duties for us to perform. All that is required of us is that we wait on the Lord. We abide in him. 
Communication is no longer what I'm saying to God and we're so good at that, telling him everything all the time. We don't go grow quiet. We're not very good at growing quiet, saints, and I'm not expecting an amen. We come before God and, and our approach is so petition-based. But he's longing for moments in our lives when we would just shut up. When we would sit before him, aware of him, mind-focused, heart-focused. And his presence enveloping us. I want more of that, Lord, in my life. Words are no longer necessary. Because communication is spirit to spirit, deep to deep. You see, all that God sees is is all the stuff I've already been involved in, the fruit of 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 what I've already done in the outer court and the inner court. I was caught up there with a lot of prayer and offering and stuff like that. But I've now moved into another experience. It's different. Someone says... You pray for an hour? What on earth do you talk to God about for an hour? I I come to him and in ten minutes I'm done. I've been through my shopping list. And I'm not saying I spend an hour. I, I aspire towards it. But I want to say to you this morning that even a dedicated, consecrated 15 minutes will make a massive change in our lives. If we really go for it, it will change us. When you're in the presence of God, there's not much you can say. It is beyond our efforts. Because you see, then our minds have ceased from the, from the sacrifice, from the cleansing and all the stuff that we do out there in the outer court. We've done the praying, we've done the worshipping, we've done the prayer, we've done the intercession, we've done the casting of our cares upon Him, we've done the fasting, all these things that we need to do. And then we're in the secret place in the Holy of Holies. And although we are still, and acknowledging that He is God, be still and know that I am God. This is not the moment for, but God this, but God that, what about, that's not the moment for it. Be still. And know that I am God. I believe God honors that dedication. God honors that desire for Him that is, that is greater than our desire to see petitions answered. 
to see things happen. It's, it's just Him. I, I, it's you, Lord. I want you. I believe God honors that. And the stuff we don't even present as requests, He takes care of. A few minutes ago, it was, Lord, I praise you, and that's beautiful. That was alive. But in that intense presence, it's no longer necessary because you're there. It is so different. I lack the words to, to describe things like this to us. I say again, we're so familiar with the works of prayer, how to intercede, how to pray and so forth. But in the holy of holies, in the secret place, it's simply absolute awe. There's majesty, there's peace, there's holy reverence. There's holiness. You don't do anything anymore. You simply be. You simply be in His presence. Intimacy. The secret place. And when we are there, The secret place and the Most High go together. They can't be separated. When you're in the secret place, the Most High happens. The Most High happens and you experience the shadow of the Almighty. I've got to pull the line here. Got to stop, Ash. I want to thank you for listening so patiently in this heat. When we speak about this again, we look at the, the more spiritual principles and aspects of pursuing that secret place with God. He who dwells dwells, dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide. Oh, those words sound beautiful. Shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I want to invite you this morning. Join me on this journey. It's worth going for it. It's worth the price it will cost us. I know this much for sure. It will totally, irrevocably change our walk with God. Father, thank you.
for helping us this morning to listen, helping me, Lord, to, as best I could, explain what you're unveiling in my heart. I pray now, precious Holy Spirit, as we go from this place, please continue to teach us. As we take steps of faith to implement dwelling in the secret place, abiding in you, give us the strength and the faith to keep at it even when we fail. Help us to go again and then go again and keep going until we know we have drunk from a fountain that will satisfy us totally in our spiritual quest to know more of our God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.